Welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I am your host, Tim Dive. Today we've got Jason Cesarago with us. Jason is a, a very interesting uh, character, a good long history in, in his, in his uh, chosen fields, which we want to explore today. It's the co-CEO uh, of the Men of Business Academy, otherwise known as the Mob Academy, uh, which is a charity which has been around for about 12 or so years and in more recent years, the last three or four, has become a school for disengaged boys in year 11 and 12. Um, that school is based here at the Gold Coast. Um, got a lot of political attention and, and social attention and, and um, a lot of community interests by way of its uh, values and what it's trying to achieve with disengaged boys in the in the community. And it also has it presents a very interesting commercial and employment landscape that uh, I think a lot of us will value from uh, with us exploring it today. So uh, Jason's been a CEO or in the CEO seat for about eight years or so. Um, and we'll get some more background on on that as well. But also, um, what makes Jason so interesting, in, in my view, is his is his vast background uh, with a trade a trade background uh, that went into education and also went into senior executive roles and into leadership in the CEO role, and also has uh, a couple of seats on boards, mm-hmm. right? Yep, Direct, directorships and things like that. So, um, and that's a, a very interesting thing that we'll run through. I might um, let. Jason, give us a bit more of a uh, an intro of his own, just in case I missed something. So, anything I missed there? Oh, no, mate, there's a there's a good intro. Thanks for that, and <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, probably an interesting journey over the last thirty years, I guess, in my working life. Um, started doing a teaching degree when I left school. Uh, left that with, you know, very young and inexperienced, and felt a bit awkward and uncomfortable going into high schools teaching kids pretty much the same age as me. Uh, boys and girls so that was always a challenge um, I took the road out of that initially to go and take up a trade as a sparky uh, loved that a lot did that for about seven years um, went to subcontracting then felt the pinch of the financial stuff and realized that was pretty hard to make a living out of <laughs> got caught out a little bit um, chasing some bills which never got paid blah 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 fell back into the education and started teaching um, but wasn't overly happy with the way things were being taught and why they were being taught. So wanted to look at ways of me growing myself so I could get in a position where I could influence what was being run in that school or other schools and by default took a stint up at Mount Isa as a deputy principal just to get to that next level. That was an interesting place to try and survive in education, hard to get people to go up there and work with you. Mm. The landscape itself was challenging the environment. Um, got presented with an opportunity that probably changed my working life, actually. Uh, the federal government at the time, the Howard government, had the initiative of the technical colleges, yep. put a lot of money into them across Australia. I think it's about 24, 25 of them, and I got the opportunity to start one at Scarborough in North Brisbane, which they put a lot of money into setting up. It was an RTO as well, so it was a bit down the trade line, which I was really interested in, but the mm-hmm. notion of it was trying to get young people into work while they're at school and challenge the current schooling model. So for me, that was probably a really good fit to learn how to do things and, and challenge. Mm. From there, um, have sort of moved on to new opportunities. I, I love the excitement of starting something and the challenges that go with that, both the good and the bad, uh, and then seeing it through to fruition and then possibly handing the reins over to people who who know the content and that better, I guess, if that makes sense, yeah. like digging into the detail. Um, and found myself, uh, ran into um, men of business, uh, Marco at the time, who was running it. He was running some programs for boys I had in a school, actually, mm. that wouldn't fit our school. And it was a disengaged youth school as well. 
um, tried to understand their model. And there was really something about that men of business and the and the boy man relationship and mentoring that struck a chord with me, and wanted to explore it more. And the charity was really struggling, or struggling as in get money in through charity, spend it, mm. get it again, and still chasing the same people for money all the time. It was a very hard yeah. way. So um, we got together. We started the school. We started in 2020 at the start of COVID, which is an interesting time to try and start a business. Mm -hmm. But it worked in our favour a little bit. The boys that we've got there are disengaged. So they were floating on the fringes anyway and wanted a place to belong. Started the school. we now got 200 boys in grade 11 and 12, and things are going really well, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it would be an interesting st uh, time. Uh, it was an interesting time at start of COVID, obviously. Um, and it's, uh, I, I suppose it would have been the perfect time to start a school, wouldn't it? Because you had to, you had to remain operational um, to, a, to a degree. And they, I know they change the rules. Sadly, every, everybody two weeks back yeah, then, they were changing right. the rules. Um, but that type of business would have been would have been great um, for, for that for that purpose, I think. Um, and so, you know, talking about a school, so this is this is a school, and this is what this is one of the reasons why I think this is such a commercially interesting um, concept and and charity um, in the phase that it's in now is because school and mainstream education, you and I have had offline chats about my views on this uh, yeah. quite quite a few times, and um, I won't speak for you. I'm, I'm I'm a rather opinionated person, but um, my opinion is the mainstream school absolutely absolutely sucks. Doesn't doesn't serve um, the purpose it should do. Um, and what purpose is that really is the question. But um, you know, from my view, looking at uh, Mob as a school that's trying to do things differently um, requires people to do things differently and yeah. think differently. And come together in a way that they can have the rubber meet the road, and cohesively agree on how things should be done. But you've also got a mainstream education system which grows your talent pool and embeds these other ideas in them that you've got to draw from. So, is that a challenge uh, for for mob, or is it? Um, you know, I suppose a, qu a good question is how how do you find or how do you decide if someone's right to come in from such a strong mainstream mindset into a whole new world? Really, really difficult is a um, the short answer to it. Um, what we try to do in order to negate that, and I don't know whether this was consciously or subconsciously, was to identify the purpose of the, the school, like really be clear about who we were trying to work with. As it turns out, it's disengaged boys at their sort of teenage years. So if you peel that back and go, what do they need? The system isn't working for them in particular. Yeah. What's the gaps and why? And, and build not only the model of the school, mm. but also the people around it so that they get it and make them feel as though they're as valued as mm -hmm. anyone else in any other school, irrespective of the fee paying or state schools, it doesn't really matter. It's that sense of belonging. When we started the school, the, the, probably the, the key to finding the people, I'm going to go back a little bit because it sort of fits in, was when we started the school, it was about bringing the community together so that they felt as though it was their school. And even when COVID hit, it was the best timing because we had a building project to refurb the old bank mm. and we had to go out and raise money in a time that was tough. But also then we had all these tradies and people and connections that couldn't work. Yeah. There was no work for them. So they came in and they, they gifted their time, their resources, their connections. And we've got this school built in eight weeks, mm. which is pretty amazing. You try and build something now in eight weeks. No chance. No chance. Zero. Mm. But 
ever since that day because of that, and once again, I don't know whether that was by design, it's just the way it worked out, that those people are the ones who keep coming back, giving job opportunities, recommending friends to work with us, finding mm. our kids in many ways, they're referring them in because they feel as though it's their school. Yep. As in the community feels though they actually own the school, which in the true sense of a not-for-profit is the case. Yeah. Yep. We're just the custodians of it as the board or directors or CEOs, whatever you are, but it's it's actually theirs. And that's given us great power and strength and probably that momentum's been much easier to gather because of that fact. Yeah. And, and speaking of the point of the talent pool, is, you know, when you first said about doing this, you, you brought it up and I've never really thought of it quite like that, mm -hmm. that people are coming out of a, what's the system been around for, 60, 70, 80 years like this, this industrialised model of education and you go to uni, you're taught a particular way, you assess a particular way, you report a particular way and you look a particular way and you have classes that run between these hours. It's all very structured and we're trying to say to people, sure, we need you with these skill sets and these trainings and learnings, but you've got to flip it. Yeah. You've got to work with us and look through the eyes of our boys and go, what is it that will make them want to be there every day? Because if they're not there, they can't learn anything. So that's probably that's right. Yeah, if, if they're not there, then they're they're um, the boys we're talking about are probably up to not much good. Um, yep. largely. largely, of course, yep. there's a there's a percentage in there that are not like that at all. No, but, um, largely, probably up to not not much good. Mm -hmm. Which is detrimental to their lives in the long term, in the long run, and that sort of thing. It sounds to me like you've had to get really clear on values, um, and it's a value-based, uh, purely value-based business in the sense of the people who wanted to uh, assist in getting it up and running and going. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've met and know I've had conversations with some of these people in the past as well, and um, uh, uh, many of them share a type of background, an, an upbringing, a type of background, and and adversity breeds amazing people and also nasty people <laughs> yeah, um when when you can get the good out of it really good work gets done and good ideas get done but it sounds to me like um, those types um would um almost like a magnet be drawn to a project like that and want to give time and want to give money if they could um but essentially it's a values alignment isn't it absolutely and we've seen people on both sides of that as you said, from people who have experienced maybe similar things to our boys or know of people that have, therefore their desire is to avoid that mm. for the next generation or their kids or whatever it might be. We've also got people on the flip side of that, um, and, and maybe I'm the example of that. My, my background, uh, my upbringing was excellent. I had a great family, went to a really good school, had great sporting involvement, family that offered jobs. Yeah, so mm. I'm not saying it was all super easy and didn't make mistakes, but... It, it it wasn't the challenge that I see these boys facing. So for me, it was about how can I give some of what I got or what I saw or what I experienced back to them and avoid someone having to do the hard yards if they don't have to. Yeah. So it was sort of, and I have girls, so it's not as if my kids are going to school. I do it. They're, they're probably the boys are going to bring home. Yeah. You know, if I look at it in that way, that's been my <laughs> sort of mindset. So, so I've got an investment in that as well, actually. <laughs> so it's a... It's sort of we've got people from all walks of life that have come together and the one thing you have to be able to do is you have to be able to look through the eyes of the boys, which sounds a bit cliche, but that's really what everything's been built upon is what's in the best interest of them yep. and let's see if we can try and provide that mm. without dumbing things down or watering it down too much where it becomes 
um, doesn't have the same impact, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And, and seeing it, that's a difficult thing to do, um, you know, without without going into too much of, of my own personal story because that's not at all what I want to do. But, um, you know, I, I, I had – I was one of these disengaged boys coming up and um, – no matter how much goodwill and good intention someone may have, um, the inability to understand what the world looks like through the eyes of someone who's been beaten down time and time again at the age of 14, 15, 16 years old, it's a very hard thing to do, which makes it uh, much more sense to say, look, you start at the values. You start at making sure that there's alignment in values and understanding of what the end game is to produce because then you can all get behind that. Um for the for the sake of that, and so it sounds to me like a good lesson from a not for profit. Would you say not for profits really have to be values based to be able to make a real impact? I don't think you'd be any other way. And see, yeah. once again, it could be really cliches, but the reality is, unless you've got that aligned, you, you can have all the money in the world and achieve nothing. Yeah, and eventually that money will dry up. Yeah, and, and you do hear stories, don't you, with not for profits that have done the wrong thing? Yes, and and um, and. I guess that's where values clearly don't align, and 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 that that will be an error. Would you say private companies do it don't, don't do it as good as a not-for-profit might? I don't know. I think some do it well. Mm. I think it once again come, probably comes back to the leadership stuff. I guess like, yeah. you know, people directing the um, the outcomes and where it's where it's got to go. Yeah, and yeah. and often you know like anybody, we're all attracted to different causes or beliefs or. And we invest our money in certain causes or charities because that's where our heart is. Yep. I think we've just been very fortunate that we've found something that one was a need for sure. Uh, it's new; no one else has done quite like what we're trying to to achieve. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just want better. Um, yeah. So, so we sort of hit a, a nice little spot. And I think whether you're not for profit or for profit, if you can find that piece, mm. uh, that's probably the key. Yeah, so a, a, a worthwhile that, that, that's one that's one key element that I knew would come out of this conversation is that um, every anyone in any business that leads any people start at a values alignment, um, and that's that's not that easy to do. It's really not because um, especially if it's not your own company, you just let's say you're a leader in a company and you've got to understand and espouse what the company is trying to achieve as well. And maybe you're in a business that isn't even that interested in, in social causes and stuff like that. So it's even harder then because you've got to kind of make up. The yeah. reason why you're there and, and, and what you value and try and espouse that and, and be a decent leader that way. So, but it is one thing I thought would come out of this conversation for all people in any business is to start at values and to understand how um, how much commercial impact and value that will bring into any business in in the sense of getting quick alignment, quick understanding of each other, and not spinning tires trying to understand what we do here and why we do things. That's that's I find a lot of businesses spend a lot of time doing that and yeah. conflicting with that sort of stuff. Um, so that's one big message. It's probably um, to touch on that. Our values have probably morphed, I guess, even in the short four years of running the school as we understood yep. the boys better and our community a bit better. We always started with wanting to help boys and help the community. That's That was a core value and it was really transparent and that's what people bought into. But mm. Um, we've probably got a bit more sophisticated in some of the values as we've moved along as well. Yeah. And I think that's also changed the staffing to some and attracted certain people and, and maybe even put off other people as well. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and, and, and that's a good message again in itself because values should change. If you stay the same, it, I mean, you know, a lot of this isn't a bad thing. I don't mean to sound negative in this sense at all, but if you're a business who um, believes, thinks, and sees things one way, 
you know, um, and you never change that, you might still be successful. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but if you're a business uh, or a leader with big ideas and aspirations to make a change in an industry, in a in a community, in a society, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, you have to morph. You have to grow. You have to learn. You have to actually acknowledge, self-reflect, implement those learnings. Ask yourself what didn't work. Let's stop mm. doing that shit. Let's mm. do let's, what does work. Let's do that. You don't do that unless you self reflect and change and morph. So that's that, that's another that's another good good point to make, I think. Um, so in, in going more operational with um, specifically with with mob mm. the the business that that you that you're leading now, um, you know you got uh, um, and and I should I should disclose I, I have an intimate understanding <laughs> of of some of the some of the people that that run and and, and work in mob. So. Um, so some of the questions might seem a bit pointed, but it's because I cool. kind of understand what's happening there. But um, you know, you've got uh, this this organisation that has very passionate people in, inside it. Um, I've witnessed you know people in tears almost daily, weekly in there yeah. for good reasons, yeah, for yeah, good yeah, reasons, yeah. good passionate reasons. Um, all good people with good intentions, with many ideas, and then you've got investors from the community you know people that donate time money and all that sort of thing that also want to share their ideas and their thoughts and you've got mentors that want to come into the school and work with the boys and have their ideas and their thoughts that that's got to be a hard basket to manage um do, do you consciously think about how to prioritize ideas or is that something that you just sort of you go with the flow and, and like i said before you sort of change your ideas of what's important along the way i think we've changed we did everything. The last bit you said was probably right on the money for probably the first three years, even maybe even till as recently as a month or so ago. And I'll explain that in a second. Mm. We've followed what those people had to say. We, we've tried to listen. Mm. Listening's hard all the time because all, you hear all, so all much the voice. stakeholders. You mean all yeah. their voices? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. there's so many uh, at all different levels, and all the opinions are valid. Yep. Um, trying to remain true to what our cause was set out to do. Mm and listen to people, but also abide, for want of a better word, around the regulations, guidelines and legislation that we have to comply with. Mm -hmm. So it puts a certain different parameter on it again. But, yeah, we've, we've certainly changed over the time and listened to some good ideas and some not so good ideas and tried to self-align, um, self I guess. One of the things that we found really challenging over time is because when it started, it, it gathered momentum quite quickly and noises were oh, let's go there and set one up or can you come to this town and set us up a mob and we explored those i mean i've been yep. all over queensland looking at sites for these schools on the back of everyone would like something like this yeah now the bit that we got to was that whilst it's a great idea and and um philosophically it sounds wonderful to go and help the communities which is what we want to do but the reality of being able to achieve that was not good all we're going to do is bastardize a product that we we're trying to build here yeah so trying to take all those into consideration we, we've tried to appease people sometimes to our detriment by doing everything yeah just recently we've gone you know what we need to get this bit right this model that we've got at southport here with these boys this is our test case we're four years old really mm. as a school let's work on that model and then if it's something that other people want and we can replicate it your beauty yeah but if it's not we've still got a great thing here that we're doing 
you know, a really great service for, you know, and probably the catalyst to that, as I said, in the last couple of months, we've really clearly defined that we've got to make this mob HQ or Southport right, get the right people in so that we can have a bit of a, I guess, a prototype. What is the right person to work in mob? Or what are the right people to work in mob, I guess? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the message I get from that um, is just how important it is to, you know, you've got time, right? And this is this is one thing when I talk to, um, to businesses, um, when you're in it, and there's a lot of pressure. Some of it's reasonable. Some of it's good and healthy. Others self-imposed. And expectations are one of those big things that um, business owners impose upon themselves. And hearing you talk about that, you know, four years old is very young, mm. very young. And you can, you can still get away with calling yourself a startup five, six, seven years in. You know, there's no expectations on you to go and change the world. Mm. Um, and then so those external expectations that you just – you just spoke about those external stakeholders that like what you do and want to be a part of it, want you to do it for them, um, can be a big trap for businesses uh, to fall into because if you're not, um, like you rightly say, if you're not stable, um, secure, operating really well, um, you know, systems and procedures and all that sort of stuff sounds dull as shit. I, I know, I get it. I, I hate talking about it as well. But if you don't have those firmly, those firm foundations set up, you don't have anything to flex away from and bug up and then come back to to recover. Yeah. If you don't have that, that's when the, wall, the walls all collapse in. Um, so I think that's that, that's another important message I think too, which is which is a probably a smart move on Mob's side is to. Um, Slow it down, prioritise one location, get it really bloody good, mm. um, and then expand. Absolutely, because mm. it, it's interesting too. Because our product, being the boys, you know, it sounds a terrible way to put it, but that's the truth. Yep, um, they're changing. Like even in three years, like the type of boy that we got in front end, which you're well aware of, they were rough and ready and wild, and and we were new and inexperienced mm. and had new people coming in. The team that we pulled together, none of us really knew each other. Yep. So you didn't know what people's capacity to handle challenges were or or take the next step or follow protocol or whatever. There's a lot of gambling really in that front end. And even the boys that came in, they were gambling their future, I guess, on something that was relatively new as well. So we've had to try and work through all of that and, and work out how do we, what's the point where you go, yeah, this is, this is all right. And you, as you said, systems, procedures, policies, you can over time probably get those to a point where they're pretty robust. Mm. It's the it's the bit that we probably spend the most time talking about every day as the people, you know, like who are they? What are they doing? Are they happy? What, what's going to make them more happy? Are the boys happy with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and on that point, you know, there's there's some things that I was uh, – that I applaud uh, Mob and I think – Personally, you were more the driver of this element, which was that teachers teachers that don't work school holidays um, are, are often uh, get a, at least a perceived advantage, if not a real advantage, um, over others that aren't teachers who don't get to to have that break. Um, and let me tell you, I I spent time working in mob, um, and I was I'm critical of teachers. Mm. I am. You know, I'll put really? my hand up <laughs> and the education system. Yeah. I'll put my hand up and say it right away. I'd admit to that. Mm. Um, not even being a teacher, sitting in one of those rooms, uh, it, you you need a break. Mm. You do. 
and in, in that environment, um, th- th- those boys. Here's one thing. Here's one th- one lesson I learned from Rob. I'll share this with you. I'm going to go off track here and forget mm-hmm. what I was talking about. What I was going to talk about was this: the 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 um, equality of uh, benefits to people that that you that you imposed and implemented there. Yeah. But w- what I want to talk about, what I want to mention, is this: because uh, I, I had this conversation with someone just the other day, and I reflected on on something. Uh, it was about a discussion about leadership, and at that point, I, re- I realized. The number one lesson I learned from my uh, time being exposed with operations at that at Mob, and I didn't learn this lesson until two years later, mm. a year and a half, two years later, right? So uh, it it took time some time to realise it, but um, those those boys in, in in that environment, those students in that environment, um, don't care for hierarchy, don't give a shit about it. In fact, they are anti hierarchy and. Um, Rightly so, given experiences that they have had, um, and that sort of thing. And if you uh, if you put that into a into a workplace environment where the workplace doesn't function the way it should and support people the way it should and do all that sort of stuff, people in that workplace, just like boys in that school, will s- select their own leaders. They'll choose who their leader is. They'll choose which room they go into and sit down and expose their problems to. Um, so true. Yeah, yeah. That, that that they'll choose that, and. I got that from a couple of those boys would walk into my room when I was in there and just sit down and start start talking mm-hmm. and, and not want to leave the room and that sort of stuff. And I realised later on that's what they were doing. They were self-selecting the leader they, they identified with. The people that were, um, and I'm not saying um, that the mob environment where people weren't leading, mm-hmm. it's just the nature of the boys in that school was such that hierarchy was nothing to them. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a workplace sense, if the leaders aren't leading and being being good at it, um, people will self-select their own their own leader and go where that makes sense to them and get the answer they need there, and that causes chaos too. So, going back to what you were talking about, the rigor and the structure and the, the framework and that stuff is important for that reason as well. Um, that's a side note, anyway. But going back to what I was talking about, the um, the, the the egalitarian sort of approach that you that you talk where everyone gets the holiday to rest, yep. Um, yep. and that's giving people thirteen weeks of leave a year. Yeah, it's it's that's it's crazy, isn't it? It's a big cost to a business. Mm. You go to any business here and say, "Give your people thirteen week, uh, weeks of annual leave a year." They're going to say, "Go fuck yourself." Mm. No way, well, that's not so happening. <laughs> but um, but but that's that's a risk. That's a big risk you've taken, and um, I'm certain pays dividends with the performance when they're. The weeks they are there yeah. with commitment. I'd argue it's probably I won't say it's the best decision we made, but it certainly rates up there as one of the most important decisions we made. And we made on the back of um, the previous schools that I'd, I'd run. The most recent one, we had a a school or two schools. We had two, oh, no, three youth employment outlets. And they're all blended under two company banners and trying to wake them all work. People from um, admin admin support through to caseworkers, employment consultants, um, teachers, and mm. blah, blah. They're, and they're all, they all got to mix together because we worked in similar buildings, knew each other, but their conditions were all different. Yep. And I sort of got up when I went there and went, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, teachers get this and blah, blah. But what it did, it created a real angst at particular times throughout the year. Us and them. Us and them, mm. particularly on about to go on holiday time, so end of school terms and the return. So teachers, for example, 
And as you said before, I don't begrudge a holiday bit. I reckon it's it's needed mm. and people argue maybe not, but let's just say for this case it is. They go on a holiday and come back and they've had two weeks in some cases or six weeks, depending on what time of year, generally refreshed and recharged and got great stories about the holidays, whereas the admin people or other people in the business have worked through Christmas mm. and just about had a gutful and potentially sometimes picking up the slack for things that couldn't be done by other people. So one of the decisions we made from day one when I sat down with our board and said, look, guys, in this case it was, said, I'm not entering into this unless we can have equal terms and conditions where possible for our staff. Salaries are what they are. You, you, you can't get to that level and that. But the people side of it, you can. Mm. And we're lucky in our business being a school that it works on term times. We're not selling cups of coffee or whatever that need people every day coming through. So yeah. there is business that just could not possibly do it. We're lucky we can, but what it has done is set a great staff morale around let's all go on holidays, have a great time, let's catch up on the holidays as well so that social interactions there. When you come back, everyone's got a great story to tell. Yeah. I went and saw this or I did this, how was your holiday? It's really been one of the most significant and best decisions that we made. Mm -hmm. And I think there mightn't be a monetary value to that, but there's certainly a person personnel value. You know. And 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 that that is a real value. Mm -hmm. the, I I can tell you exactly how to, how to run a report on what that costs you. Mm -hmm. um, that's easy to do, yeah. and, it, and it is value. Um, and then with that comes you know. Just, so just let's just let's just talk about that one element for a mm -hmm. second because this is the HR cartel podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the HR <laughs> element of that. Um, one reason why businesses wouldn't would be would err on the side of caution with arrangements like that is try to trying to comply with that in an employment law sense with modern awards, NES, all, all these sort of things that you've got to understand and get your head around and you've got contracts that decide all sorts of things. Um, you, you you can do it, mm -hmm. right? The, 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 there's just You've got to speak to the right person and the right person can set it up for you. you can set, set the framework and you just run that framework and you will comply because the risk of doing that is that you know, you've got if you call, you've got four weeks of annual leave in the, in the NES every year that an employee gets. But if you call the next nine weeks of annual leave as well, mm. um, you know that that's a problem. There's definitions of that. So if it's, I'm not going to get real tech, real technical on this point. But um, for those businesses out there that may want to consider, you know, offering over and above conditions to all people, or and it doesn't have to be leave; it could be anything. Um, there are ways you can do it. Don't be put off by the compliance risk that it poses. It does it does pose a compliance risk, and you will be subject to claims if you don't set it up properly. But speak to the right person; they'll do it for you. So that's one point to make. Um, obviously, worth the while to to do it. Yeah, it works well for us, and we wouldn't go back from there. And what it's been is that the people have come in from four weeks annual leave in their other jobs because we've got a lot of staff that are non teachers, probably yeah. as high as seventy percent. I'd say. Well, non-qualified teachers so mm -hmm. as you mentioned before sports people uh police army admin youth workers employment mm -hmm. people there's a whole range of different people that are coming on wow what's how long has this been going on but what we've found on i believe anyway is the input from people while they're there so that 10-week burst sort of like a footy season mm -hmm. you know you, you do your pre-season you rip in and when you're at work you're at work and, you, and you're having a crack and you know the grand final's coming up. Yeah. And you've got your off-season again. And it's sort of the way that we've tried to build the mentality. We have four seasons a year. Mm. And it works, you know, and we're getting the best out of everybody, I think. Yeah. 
good segue there because I want to ask you about ex-elite sports people. Um, there's a uh, I've designed a system uh, in previous years with um, four ex-elite sports people and um, a method of which to introduce them into the business world, fresh out of their sport into the business world and provide them with a development pathway for 18 months, two years to get their head around the commercial elements of the business as opposed to a sports team um, while bringing in and allowing them to explore that elite mindset that elite sports people tend to have. Mob has a whole range of sports people interested in it, involved with it at varying levels. Mm. Um, You've got ex-rugby league you know, quite, you know, mm. let's call them greats. Let's give, yeah. let's give them a rap and yeah, call them greats. And I don't know if you should, I don't know if we should name them or not, but no, we, yeah. we won't name them. But, um, you know, you've got, uh, and even you yourself, you've, you've, you've got a, a, a sporting, an elite sporting level background. Um, we didn't mention your Paramount Reels. Oh, no, I haven't. No. Not compared to these other guys. No. Um, the, uh, but you've got that background. Yeah. You've got you've been around that elite sport. I love sport. Yeah, um, and you've also got events, you know, the paddle, where yeah. you have a, a, an Olympic gold medalists, multiple Olympic mm. gold medalists, mm. um, paddling around the Isle of Capri at the Gold Coast here for twenty four hours, doing. Do, and you and I have shared yeah. a big yeah. a big floating <laughs> kayak and one of those paddles as well, and we're, we're being lapped by those guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so that's what I mean. You've got ex-elite sports people at varying levels with, with varying levels of engagement and involvement with the academy. What, what does that bring to the to – the, I think more so – I think I, I understand and I think people would know what it would do for the boys. Yep. But for your people, yeah. what, what does that bring for your people? Yeah. The, the sports people involvement sort of happened a little bit by default. It, was, it wasn't a deliberate plan. It, it, you know, if you sit back and think about it, yeah, aligning the boys to – sports stars probably makes a lot of sense but we didn't deliberately set out to do that yeah um and probably the sports people that we've captured both directly as employees and those that support in the community as you said the paddle or, or other events mm-hmm. um they probably aren't the ones that if you're shooting for it with all due respect or that they're not the ones you're going to go and grab because of their profile or whatever they're trying to do in their post-sporting career life that they've, they've all been united by a sense of self and wanting to get involved. The employees that we've got on board, I would argue, and I think they'd probably agree, I don't know, maybe not, that what we do with the boys and what we set up to do is equally as good for them as it is for us. Yeah. But I think they are getting as much personal growth um, as the boys themselves by being around an environment that's pretty structured, although um, not as structured as some, but it, it certainly has times you've got to turn up times you can leave, classes that have got to run. Some of them are going into classes for the first time since they were at school some 20-something years ago. So mm-hmm. for them, it's a real ch- – and a lot of them didn't have great school experiences either. So to go back into a classroom is really quite confronting for them. Yeah. You know, so they've brought a real element of viewing the world differently and, and so have all of our non-academic staff. They're challenging the norm going, why are we doing that? And, you know, the easy answer is, yeah, because that's what a school does. But yeah. what we're trying to do is go, does the school have to do that? That's not what we're here for. Yeah. No. So it really makes you think hard about what you're doing and why you're doing it because they bring a whole different view to the world, you know. Mm-hmm. What they have done, though, is they're, they're sports people in particular. They're driven. Yeah. They're motivated. They're goal-orientated. Mm-hmm. And whether it be in their own or for the boys, you can really see that come through, which is so healthy 
you know, in my opinion, to have some goal that you're striving for. And these people have achieved, in many cases, that goal, whether it be a gold medal or a, a Delhi M or a grand final or whatever it is, that, they've made it. Yeah. So they know what it takes to work through some challenging times and they've been through their ups and downs. So as the, the ship gets a little bit rocky at times, they've seen it before. So they can be that really stabilising, calm, even though it's not their area of expertise, they still bring that yeah. skill set to it. They, they know how to respond to unusual circumstances. Yeah, so, and no. challenges. They, they sort of live for challenge. Almost. Like we do, as you know, a lot of sporting things among staff and yeah. team building day. And it turns like we do table tennis at school, and it's the most competitive arena you'd imagine outside of the Olympics, really. Everyone <laughs> thinks they're a world-class table tennis player. And the practicing before work, after work, at lunchtime with the boys, it's it's full on, but that's they're in a you know, you know, who they are. Yeah. It's, it's really good for us. Yeah. That's right. There's there's so many elements of elite sports and um types and mindsets that would benefit that environment, that scenario. One one thing one thing I've found with um elite sports people in business in the past is is that they do lift. They they lift the workplace. However, be warned. If you if you don't have um, a healthy workplace culture and an environment where you are safe to be not as good as the next the person next to you, but you're judged on your mindset and how you intend to uh, make a difference in that workplace. If you don't have a workplace like that, do not add elite sports mm -hmm. people to it because, um, frankly, your workplace won't um, support. Uh, Anything that needs to be supported to get good out of it, it's gonna it's gonna go the other way. It can go it can go bad, um, yeah. and that's that's people dependent as well. Mm -hmm. um, there, there is one thing you know. This is a, again the HR cartel podcast. We talk about workplaces and that sort of thing. You had a very very interesting and good idea um, at this at this school where essentially what you're doing is you're you're, you're getting um, uh, kids who struggle with with education um, who would otherwise be left behind ready to be employed and employable and in fact working with people that you're engaged with as well you've got an intrinsic interest to, uh, to make sure these guys are uh, and i say guys because it's, mm. it's a boys school I'm not trying to be sexist um these guys are ready for a workplace and they're taken out of a shit situation scenario that they've been um has been oftentimes imposed upon them and destroyed their a sense of hierarchy, like we mentioned before, their respect for authority and all that sort of stuff, and also just the fact that they feel threatened sometimes just because you're a male, um, they'll feel threatened by you addressing something with them. You got a job to get them ready for the workplace and be contributing members in the community. Um, and the idea you had was to make school, make school like work, um, get them used to it. And by that, I, I won't, I won't. Um, to explain your idea, I might get you to give some comments on it, but it's very interesting, and I think it's probably uh, it, it's a future um, element of education. I think, but getting these guys ready for the workplace, you know, in, includes turning up to the place on time, being in the right place at the right time for the right amount of time in classes and that sort of thing. If you're going to go and do something, an appointment across the road with the GP, come back. Um, th these things that you just you know, as a worker in the workplace, you just don't even think about it. These these guys have trouble doing it. Yeah. Um, incentivizing that by way of coupons or vouchers or whatever it is, but it's pay. You know, it, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, do you want to give your thoughts? Because I, I think that's a, that's probably that should be a 
consideration in all education facilities in the country that there should be some sort of model that gets them um, in the routine of work, respecting what work is, understanding what work is, and seeing um, dollars at the end of it mm. as as the real incentive. Um, do you want to give any thoughts on that? Yeah, oh, look, it came about probably from discussions, maybe even you and I had it, or, or wherever, but um, the, the boys that we got to disengage, so turning up to everything and being committed is a challenge, number one, no matter what it is. So, and we'll find the boys, they turn up for things they liked, like all of us probably, not turn up for others. As I said, go to appointments, not come back, blah, blah, blah. So how do you how do you build a model where at the end of the day, unless we can have them at the school, it's hard to improve their life or circumstances. We can't do it from a distance, not a distance head school. It's, mm. it's hands-on, people-facing, speak to our people, engage with our staff, and supporters, whatever. So we had to get them there for longer periods of time and make their time meaningful while they were there. You know, we provide lunch and breakfast and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's an attraction tool. Yep. But they needed, I think they needed more, or they do need more to want them there. You can design the best curriculum in the world, but it's still, it becomes old at some point. It's you know? still a curriculum, isn't it's it? Still, it's still, at math. the end of the day, it still is. And there's still <laughs> an exam, there's still an assessment. So yeah. how do we do all that differently? For, that's a whole different conversation. But this bit around the work piece intrigues me because for most of us to go to work, there's very few people, I believe, in the society that go to work every day just because it ticks every box on them. Hmm. They're going there to fuel another thing, whether it be through money to pay their bills or live a lifestyle or buy the car or whatever you do, go on holidays. So how do we make the boys view it a little bit like that, that at some point they're going to have to go to work yep. to earn money. They're going to have to be there at a certain time and leave at a certain time, dress a particular way, talk to people in a particular manner. So the idea was how do we incentivise them? And we looked at the whole pay to go to school. When I spoke to some people and bounced it off them, some people went, oh, amazing. Other people went, oh, you can't do that. Mm. You know, and there's probably challenges with that technically, I guess. I haven't really explored into the, the HRIR world. But I'm sure, sure of course someone will call it child labour or something. Yeah, like there'll be some <laughs> challenge with it. So we, we sort of didn't go there. But we did do a little trial earlier this year with our uh, grade 12 boys around trying to incentivise attendance. And purely what it was was turning up every day at the times you had to participate in the class or the session meaningfully, mm. uh, be respectful and complete whatever tasks were needed to be done to the best of your ability, whatever that is. Simple as it was. It was run over five weeks from memory. And at the end of it, there there was an incentive reward, you know, gift voucher or whatever it was. Interestingly, even the incentive at the end didn't hit accord with about 50% of the boys. Right. Was the incentive not enough? Was it five weeks too far down the track to get that incentive possibly? Um, so there's a few interesting things that we're trying to challenge in that. So if it was a weekly incentive as as a wage would be, yeah, uh, I, I because think, if, if I didn't get paid for five weeks, I wouldn't do it next week. 100%. <laughs> and I think that's a really key learning out of it. Yeah. So I don't look too much into the fact about that, but it, yeah. I th certainly think that would have had a better outcome. Um, was the, the value of it in today's terms worth their effort? I know it shouldn't be. They should be turning up to school and should be attending, but mm. it was still... They had to change their mindset and efforts to actually be there all the time. Yeah. And out of those that did, the ones that probably achieved the outcome that we wanted were probably the ones that were going to achieve it anyway, in, in real whether we, we whether we had an incentive or not. Mm -hmm. Other than maybe a very small fraction of that. 
that yeah. might have been intrinsically motivated by the outcome. So I think there's work to be done, but I really think there's a future in that. Now, whether schools have the capacity and the bravado maybe and the desire to want to do something, I don't know. I think for mob, it's probably a natural progression because we are largely preparing the boys for work. There's not many going to uni at this point in time yeah. and in the near future, probably not likely, but they're, they're going to work. You know, and we've got so many great employers, as you know, like we've got more jobs. We could fill the jobs four times over, you know, the amount of jobs that we've got coming in. We just don't have the boys ready ready to go to work. And we've got a team dedicated to that. And, you know, Nathan, they're doing an excellent job within the realms that you've got. But how do you give that competitive edge to boys mm. that aren't getting that role modelled in their own house, which I think is probably the biggest challenge that we've got. They're not seeing that mum and or dad or auntie and or uncle or whatever it is, you go to work, yep. you know, because it's one, it's good for you, two, you've got some value, and three, it fuels your lifestyle. So we're, we're sort of working through all that, but it's a... Well, you've got to learn all that. Got to, well, they've got to unlearn all those lessons first and then learn them again, yeah, haven't they? Yeah. Five weeks won't do it, and it takes more time, obviously. It does, mate, yeah. But the, um, the, the interesting thing for me and that is, you know... Um, it's too easy to look at that and go, that's just school kids. But um, every workplace in this country has to find a way to incentivize people to turn up. Mm. Look, right now, it's a, there's, a, there's a crisis. Mm. We call it that. People don't want to go to office anymore. They, they, they want to sit at home and work from home. I, I, I'll recruit jobs for my clients. Mm. We'll do some recruitment for them sometimes. And um, some of the first questions I'm getting asked when I'm calling candidates who have applied the, the, the advert says it's a full-time job, it's here, it's that location, mm. it gives all the information, uh, I want to work from home. Oh, sorry, you know, wrong wrong job. But um, uh, And, and I, I shouldn't shit all over that idea, no. but I, I, don't, I don't sit on the fence. I think there's way more to be achieved by being in the office and uh, the hybrid probably answer. Mm. But nonetheless, every workplace in the country has the problem that you just tried to explain. And even though you're talking about doing it with students, um, so every business you know could learn lessons from that. Understand your people you have, the demographic you have, who you're attracting into your business, who actually wants to be there, who's aligned to what your values are, which we already touched on, um, who's willing to give you their time to achieve what you want to achieve. Now, who are who are they? Who's that person? Now, what are they driven by? And you, you're now going to create an environment that gets them to want to be in there and turn up and come back after an appointment because adults are doing it too. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not an easy, easy win. I'll tell you a little story in that. One of the boys that I spoke to when we first mooted the idea, actually it was a few boys, I said, if we're going to do a, an incentive for you to be at school, what would it be? <laughs> One boy goes, oh, 500 bucks a week. Oh, he goes, oh, 700. I go, do you need that? They go, yeah, well, we we got to buy shoes and we got to do this and we want to save for a car. Mm. I said, would you do it for less? They go, oh, maybe. Probably not, though. So the value was really important. There's no yeah. way in the world we can get to that sort of thing. So yeah. for us, it's got to, as you pointed out, what are the other things that we can do for them that's they perceive as equally as valuable if it's not monetary necessarily? What, you know, we, is it, you know, we, you know, we've got the driving school. Yeah, yep. that's one carrot we've got going. Well, if you want to get your driver's license, we'll fund it all. The community, all the community, will fund it all. And we pay. We've got our own driving instructors and all that sort of stuff. But you got to turn up. Yeah, 
you're not getting lessons for nothing. We don't expect you to pay for them, but if you're not going to turn up and earn the right for it, mm. and that's that's working. So there's those sort of things we've just got to keep being more creative on, you know, as to what will make them turn up and yeah. buy into what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, well, and that's that's a yeah, like I said before. Regardless of if you're talking about adults or kids, that's that's something that um, every business could probably take a lesson on. You know, um, what questions are you going to ask to understand what your people actually value? And and I'll, I'll go a bit further on that. One thing I do when I when I design performance management uh, systems for for clients, if we're doing it my way, the way I like to do it, uh, which is not the way we do it every time, but. Um, the, the very first thing I start with is a survey to find out what the workplace actually gives a shit about mm. because it's different to what you think it is, I guarantee you. Mm. And I'll get to a, a, a lot of my top 10 list of what these things are and we'll, you, we'll play with the top four or five and we'll start to focus on that because performance is a two-way street. Mm. It's never a it's never a set the standard, you know, you go, you got to go and do that. It's also not that give you table tennis tables, ping pong tables, free beers on Friday mm. and, and free food and and that's all you get and you yeah. expect performance from that yeah it's, it's a two-way street it has to be and you, you you've got to start by understanding who's actually in your four walls mm. um so yeah, that's that's another good valuable lesson too i think um so yeah look the, the um the the, the not profit um sort of environment uh do, do you see any real difference from the private sector really i mean in in, in a general sense from from the sense of I'll, I'll say I'll say one thing about that. My perception is that um, in in the environment that you've got at Mob, there, um, the student is the product and the client at the same time. Um, so you don't really have uh, the pressure of say a sales general sales focused organisation that must meet monthly, week on week targets, month on month targets, and must perform. That element's taken away. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. such a good thing yeah. because you got you can now have so much higher valuable conversations that get prioritised over and above these this daily grind. Yeah. Um, but you know that's one element that's different. But is it really that different? Do you think from because not for profits are spoken about really differently than yeah. private sector. I don't businesses. want to down oh, downplay it or undermine the for profit because I mean as you said my space is really different i've been in not for profits for a long time so i'm probably very biased and and, and maybe missing some of the for profit um challenges there were a couple of the other boards i sit on a they're not for profit they're running for profit entities uh in there so i get to see some of that and the challenges with it as well but for us um the the biggest challenge is more we know the clients but is maintaining a product that the clients want to continue to come to be yeah. the voice but also on the outside walls of the community because our product relies so much on community contribution, whether it be uh, in-kind or monetary support, we've got to have a sharp product all the time. So mm. you can't just sit on your hands. Schools could. If we just wanted to be a, a traditional run-of-the-mill <laughs> school of whatever type, we could easily do that. And we'd probably still have some kids walk through the door and yeah. you'd make it work and, it, and it'd be okay, you know. But if we're really trying to strive to change the lives of these boys and make our school significantly different for the right reasons, not just different because it's different, we've got to constantly evolve and challenge the norms and understand what people out there are wanting, be it employers or community or the police or whatever, from our boys yep. so that we can modify our product to give them what they want. And in turn, that's what drives our business around and allows our business to grow hmm. um, from a financial or a as I said, an employment perspective or sponsorship or whatever 
whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think as the all. I mean, it, it's a employment is a people business, and um, getting people to do the things that your business needs them to do to make whatever impact it is you're trying to make comes down to leadership all the time. Uh, understand, mutual understanding, leadership, cl- clarity, role clarity, communication clarity, all that sort of stuff. It's all very important. It's all the same. Not for profit or for profit doesn't really matter. I don't think. Um, obviously, you've got different pressures that that determine what you're talking about internally and, and what gets priority. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's all that much difference, if I'm honest. Yeah, um, I mean, we got compliance stuff and all that, which is maybe a bit heavier than for I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Just to touch on your point, I think the whole leadership thing's been interesting because you've been, you know, engaged in our circles around that over the time, and it's still the most challenging part mm. of our business if you look at it from a risk perspective but also from a functioning moving forward perspective um it's morphed over the time and we've tried to identify what's the right style and group of leadership given that as you said earlier it really is a heart business so you're leading with your heart a lot but you've got to have your head in place as well otherwise you get caught out and you'll lose yeah yeah well you'll miss something and and you'll be at risk so trying to balance that up has been a real challenge. Hmm. Well, you, and you've got so – we should probably – we've got almost an hour, so I might – I might, but I do want to ask you this mm-hmm. question because it's very interesting that your, your particular business, you've got two CEOs um, and two very different people, yep. uh, two very different um, backgrounds and skill sets and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Mob simply wouldn't exist without Marco, the founder. Yep. Would, wouldn't be there, wouldn't be there today. Certainly probably wouldn't have – the passion around it that it does. I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no shadow over there. Yeah, um, and uh, and 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 the passion around the mob business and the mob charity and the the organisation, you know, brings in money, political interests, um, you know, s- uh, social interests, the education systems interests, everything. So that's that's what one CEO brings. Um, you've got. You've got double power. You've got another CEO mm. um, in, in yourself that brings um, e- enormous capability mm. and understanding, and and uh, you know value of the structure, value of the compliance, value of all those things. Uh, for, for my from my view, that's that's a big benefit. Would also have challenges. Mm. Um, not many businesses out businesses out there would have two CEOs. Is there anything that you you, you want to yeah, talk about that? How and that works? It sort of happened. Um, once again, one of those things that wasn't really by design. Yeah. We stumbled across each other's paths through that program that I mentioned uh, and probably united by the desire to do something that was needed. And the common interest was boys' education. Mm-hmm. It just so happened. And whilst we don't agree on everything, there's very few things that we disagree on. Yeah. There's things that we might not share quite the same view on. But there's, there, there is a common big overlap. Yeah. Yep. So you can easily work within that. Um, the best thing that we've done, you know, and, and that's taken time to build it. And trust is one of those words people throw out everywhere. And it's taken time to build a trust between us and understand the other one's style and why they think and often the unspoken word is yep. what you've got to try and understand. Um, and I think we've, you know, four years into it, we're probably at oh, – oh, no doubt we're at the best point we've ever been from our relationship as two CEOs and understanding what each other, you know, strengths and, and challenges are and what ignites us and what doesn't, um, but also the ability to throw open conversation out there and mm. be prepared for it maybe to come back in a different way than what you thought you threw it out with. Yep. 
Um, but the beauty of it is all being driven from a sense of why we're doing it. You know, um, we could both probably be doing other things, yeah. that, you know, like anybody, but we're choosing to take this journey, the challenges that go with it. But there's a lot of highs with it as well. Mm. You know, I think the co-CEO thing and um, schools, I think it's really uncommon. I, I don't really know of another place that operates quite like that. But the strength that it brings is those the two skill sets are so different. Yeah. Like what Marco does, I can't do and I actually don't want to do because I'm not good at it. The stuff that I do, he looks at it and goes, oh, that's boring. That's shit. You know, I don't mm. want to do that either. Yeah. And that's wonderful because you don't need the two people to do it. Where it can become challenging is in the, is in the decision making and, and, and the clear lines of sight. And that's taken us a while. We've actually got to that point now, but it took a lot of false starts and, and mm. misses and challenges and probably mistakes, if you want it that way, where two people you know it's like the good cop the bad cop or the mum and the dad and the kids they know how to play the game and yep. um so really between us worked out how that needs to work to allow the business to function properly mm. like that inwardly but also externally how do we manage those relationships externally so we're not um contradicting or bouncing across the same circles if we don't need to so yeah well, I think there's two things you mentioned there that we already touched on as well, which is that, that overlap that you mentioned, which is what your, your common ground you can base everything on. Yeah. There's your values alignment right yeah. there yeah. between yourselves. Um, but you know, it's it's um, I, I think you know it's very rare for a CEO to have a counterpart that has equal authority in decision making and veto and all that sort of stuff. So that's. Um, you know, role clarity mm. is what we touched on earlier as well. Yeah. So I think to, if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly from your explanation there, I think to make to make that dynamic work, it's 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 a values based alignment with role clarity. Role clarity takes time, especially at that level. And it's taken us, to be honest with you, three years yeah. probably. You yeah, know, the values are always there. If you dug them out, we could probably articulate what we believed in as people mm. and what we believe the business need to believe in and our people need to believe in. Outside of that, it was sort of, oh, is that something we're good at? Do we want to touch? And as you're growing too, you're touching on new territories too. So there's things that we couldn't foresee that we needed to make mm. a joint decision on or an individual decision on. So, but yeah, it's been a, it's been probably three years to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and three years in a startup phase too. Mm. So it takes it takes that time. Mm. It takes that time. Mm. Um, look, I, I I'm very respectful of your time. I know I know you're very busy. We've been gone for about an hour now. So. Before we wrap up, Mob does uh, a charity event each year, big charity event each year, probably multiple involvement yeah. in charities event, but your own charity event, the, the, the Isla Capri Paddle, is that coming out? Mate, that's in October, mid-October, October. yeah. There's a website that people can go to. to yeah, go to our Mob website. Um, you can join teams. Menofbusiness.com.au. Uh, that's the one. www.menofbusiness.com.au. And, yeah, you can join teams. and Yeah, it's our major fundraiser. It sort of supports all the other stuff that school funding just doesn't touch. Um, the key difference with us is we, we don't get – we're not allowed to charge school fees. So the kids come there and it's purely run on government money and what the community do. So the events that we do, one, dr drums up awareness, but, two, it's also a very strong support. It funds the driving school. It funds the breakfast and lunch. Mm. We give the boys all their uniforms, their work gear, their computers and all that. That's really – what our community arm does and we've got great people that have stood behind us and plus it's a fun event well, you've yeah. been to it it's 
It's oh, cool. Yeah, but I've been I've been in the kayak. That's that's, cool. <laughs> that's good fun. Not not sinking bees at the lunch and no, that's even better kayak. though. Get I'll, to the lunch. I'll, I'll come on to the lunch and this lunch time. Lunch is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But that's in October. Yeah. yeah. So, so coming up, and is, is it sold out yet, or is there still tickets to buy for the luncheon and that sort of thing? Or? Yeah, if there is, there's only a few. Like it sells out pretty quick. It's yeah. at um, Via Roma there, um, yeah. Ola Capri, uh, Edgewater Dining. All there every yeah, year. It's yeah, a good event. Yeah. Uh, if there are tickets, make sure you, you you get along and you can buy tickets for prizes and things. So, what's the prize this year? Uh, actually, got a motorbike. It's motorbike. Uh, Indian, I think. Is that the right tall motorbike? American. I'll trust you on that. Looks amazing. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got that um, supported through one of our partners, and they're ten bucks a ticket, I believe. Ten bucks a ticket. I, yeah. I bought. I bought one. I bought a few last year for the jet ski. I didn't get that. I was. I was, watching, I was watching a live stream feed, waiting for my name to come up, and it didn't happen. So yeah, five thousand tickets, yeah, ten bucks a ticket. That's it. And if you don't like motorbikes, you can cash it in. It's twenty three thousand dollars. Oh, awesome! The twenty three grand cash up for grabs or a motorbike, one in five thousand, way better than lotto tickets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be doing that. Uh, and also, and just on that, to the point, the community does get around mob, um, and obviously, it's it's struck a chord with the community in, in a big way. We've mentioned Marco, Marco mm-hmm. Renee, a couple of times. So mm-hmm. Marco Renee, um, you know, the, the, the community is um, acknowledges his mm-hmm. impact as well. And in fact, he's just been just become the Gold Coast Australian of the Year Correct. this yep. year, a few yep. couple of months ago, was yep. it? Yeah. So you know, he's he's being acknowledged um, by the, by the community, by by um, by governments, and all mm-hmm. sorts of things for the work that Mob are doing. So it's a good cause to get around if you want to get around one. Um, so Jason, thanks for joining us. Can I, I say one more thing? Yeah. Um, outside the paddle, we've just um, we're about to embark on a building project. Currently, we leased the premises that we're in. We're about to build a, a, a new school in the middle of Southport. There, so watch this space. We're about to go on a, a major community engagement program to build a school, and and by the looks, go down to grade seven. You know, oh, we were trying to get these boys earlier, and make a bigger impact sooner, mm-hmm. maybe avoid some of the things that um, are happening with our young young mm. boys so um, that's going to be a really exciting project to yep. to start soon and hopefully be completed by the end of 2026 awesome cool and your website does take donations too just a straight website yeah, yeah. you can make a donation if you want to help with that sort of stuff the donations you make would go towards those builds and things yeah I'm yeah, sure. yeah we're about to launch that campaign so that'll be very vis- visible cool. um, and they're tax deductible and all that sort of stuff so beautiful get on it yeah, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I appreciate the time. Um, and uh, as always, if you're still listening to this, go to www.workplaceas.com. Check out some other uh, interviews and, and other, other podcast episodes. Also share us uh, some questions and things that you might want to um, have spoken about. Challenge me on my ideas. I'm very opinionated. I love to get challenged and have my mind changed. So if I think about things a bit differently to you, then let me know. And let's, let's talk about those things because I'd, I'd love to hear it. Um, Thanks again um, and until next time, keep a tight workplace.